to Her Stories Untold. My name is Trey Sai, and I am the founder and author of Her Stories Untold, a global book project sharing different empowering and inspiring stories of women around the globe from all walks of life. The reason this project was created was because I realized there were so many women out there that have stories to share, journeys that have been walked, but they do not realize the significance and importance of their unique stories. The project is to share your journey of how you came to whom and where you are today so that you can empower, uplift, and inspire other women. This project is open to anyone that is a woman in this globe. Each journey and story is unique, full of color and diversity. To find out more details, you can go to www.herstoryuntold.com to participate so that you can empower not just yourself but others around the globe. As a BIPOC minority woman, a writer, artist, actress, and model, no matter where you are, who you are, and what you are, how you are, there is a journey. Our existence in this world is a journey. If you have a story about success, love, relationships, hardships, career, family, illness, death, children, travels, gender roles, disability, trauma, positivity, resiliency, lessons, you name it, I encourage you to share. If you have a story about isolation and quarantine during this global COVID-19 pandemic time, your journey is important and is guaranteed to empower and inspire others, both men and women, women and men. Hello again. Hello again. Hi. Hi. <laughs> okay, so let me just work out the technical stuff. While you're doing that, can I take a screenshot? Oh, yeah, for sure. Let's do that. I okay. always forget to do that stuff. So smile. Okay, one, <laughs> two, three. While you do that, I'll um yeah. I'll make a post. You just yeah. You, 
We're gonna go live on Facebook. Okay, see if that is working. Uh, Okay, it's underway and in preparation. Fantastic. Maybe I'll do this after so I can be in the zone. Yeah, it's okay. It's Ooh, my, my hair is out of control today. <laughs> Got lots of it going on. Okay, I actually have to put a title in. So exciting. Yeah, and I'm going to work on, um, I was going to get the story too by the end of the week, but I my week went sideways. So I'm going to work on it tomorrow. Okay, no, that's fine. That's fine. Take your time because, again, I think with the added pressure of the pandemic, people, people are people, right? So it's gonna yeah. Sometimes they take time, right? So. And I'm promoting so this actually takes longer. Just oh I you're okay now I am right okay perfect now you are <laughs> okay so Facebook I think we're live right now but although I can't really see it we are I got a notification okay so that's perfect so how are you today Blair? I'm great. It's Saturday. I love Saturdays because I work really hard during the week. Yeah. And so I really try hard not to make too many plans on Saturday and I sleep in instead of getting yeah. up at like 530 or six. Yeah. And so I, I, I like woke up a couple of times, but I didn't get out of bed till like 1030, 11. It was really nice. That's exactly what I like to do too. I, I actually woke up later today around yeah around 10 30 actually <laughs> yeah and you know I went to bed really early too I had a bad headache yesterday and I went to bed at, I must have been I must have slept for 12 hours yeah it's good it's good to sleep in you know they, oh, yeah. I, I mean scientifically they have said that you can't like really catch up on your sleep that you haven't slept up to your maximum during the week kind of thing but yeah but I do feel like on the weekends, if you kind of relax and then, you know, do sleep in, you you actually feel better. You feel refreshed, right? Yeah. And like, I'm in my hiking clothes under this. And after this, I'm going to go for a hike in the forest that's and then awesome. I'm going to have a bath. Yeah. And then I'm going to watch hockey. <laughs> oh, that's great. Such a great day. You yeah. know, thank you so much for um, interviewing me. How are you doing today? Uh, I am good. So as I said, I woke up at 1030. I kind of, you know, cleaned up the house a little bit and you know, get everything sorted out. Uh, I like to start the day off with a coffee and, and a cup of black tea too as well and then kind of set the tone and then just uh, yeah go at it. And I was really excited about our talk today so um, I want to welcome you Blair. So yeah if, if you want can you kind of tell us about yourself and maybe perhaps a little bit about your project um, before we continue along with our conversation. Yeah so 
I am Blair. I was born and raised in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Shout out to the prairies. Right now I live in Pemberton, British Columbia. So I'm up in the mountains. I'm married to a man named Shane. We have two cats, Ash and Duffy. Uh, trying to get pregnant, but we'll touch on what happened a little bit down the line in our chat. Um, I'm in the field of public relations and social media marketing. I'm a social media marketing expert. Um, I've published a book called Pulsing Through My Veins, Raw and Real Stories from an Entrepreneur, which became a bestseller. And I got to launch that during the pandemic, which is super fun. Um, when I am not telling stories or coaching clients on how to tell their stories through publicity or social media, you can usually find me frolicking in the woods. So I'm not your typical Whistler Pemberton person. I moved here for love. <laughs> I love spring, summer, fall, but I'm not a winter person. So I don't ski or snowboard, but luckily we're having a really mild winter, which is good for hiking. Yeah. But yeah, in the summer, I'm always camping or on my paddleboard or my bike or hiking. I love hiking. Um, I just, there's so many pretty trails where I am. I am British Columbia has a lot of really awesome trails and yeah, I love going to concerts and traveling. So I'm really missing those two things right now. Um, I don't know. I can't, I guess what else? Oh, the project, right. <laughs> so I'm the, I'm the founder of the, I am resilient project. Yes. And so do you want me to dive into a little bit of history of why it started? A hundred percent. Please okay. tell Okay. Yeah. So just a bit of a trigger warning. I'm going to talk about some heavier stuff. And um, if it's upsetting to you, I'm not a professional therapist. I'm a professional human. And the things I'm talking about are from personal experience. Um, you know, I, you can reach out to me and I can connect you to um, a professional mental health support if you require that, but, or if you need to step away from the computer, cause it's triggering, that's okay too. But I am, like I said, I'm born and raised in Winnipeg. I, I have a younger sister and my parents divorced when I was eight years old. I remember being a daddy's girl when I was little. However, um, he lives with addiction. And when I was young, I didn't know that. And my parents divorced primarily because of this. And I didn't understand why my father was in and out of my life. And it broke my heart. I didn't know he wasn't well. I thought he didn't love me anymore. And as a little girl, like you can imagine how that probably felt um or as a child and we didn't know then what we know now about addiction i think things are different and that's part of the reason this project i am resilient exists so growing up i had a lot of trust issues abandonment issues you know my heart was broken and fast forward like you know to my 20s i was actually given the gift to go to something called the landmark forum i was lucky to to work for lululemon athletica i got promoted from winnipeg to their West Edmonton Mall location. And then while I was there, they offered me an opportunity to go to Vancouver to do the Landmark Forum. And I saw it as a free trip to Vancouver. My best friend just moved there. I was super pumped. I was like, yeah, Vancouver, free trip. <laughs> and I went to the forum with no expectations, but I was given the tools to forgive my dad. And um, I'll never forget it. I just remember standing like on a lunch break in a grocery store in like a closed till. Like, I don't know why I didn't have my cell phone, but I used a calling card and called my dad and I was crying. And I was just like, I'm sorry I, you know, ever had bad words to say about you. And I forgive you. And I just want to accept whatever relationship you can give me. And I love you no matter what. And so from that day forward, you know, we had a really deep conversation later when I wasn't in a grocery store. <laughs> and um, we had this beautiful conversation and we began to really build this relationship. And it, I didn't have any expectations and I was able to just let things go. And I didn't 
put him in a box. I just let him be him. And we started to develop this beautiful relationship. He got to walk me down the aisle when I got married, which I didn't think was possible. However, many decades of drug use um, took a toll on his body and he was sick. And at the end of 2018, we learned that his COPD, his chronic pump, chronic pulmonary obstructive disorder, CP. Yeah. Chronic pulmonary obstructive disorder. Um, sorry, I got confused with the acronym there. Saturday, brain off. <laughs> and um, we learned that it was in the end stages. And so, which that meant it, he was terminally ill. And while doing a bunch of tests to see if a lung transplant was an option, we learned he had cancer in his lungs. And so I just felt very robbed. I felt, you know, I finally have my dad back in my life. And I pictured him growing like you know, I guess I was being naive, like, you know, he wasn't optimizing his health, but I pictured like, you know, having kids and him being a grandfather, a Zeta and like him growing really old and me having this long life with him. And that wasn't true. And it became a reality. And I just, I felt winded. I felt like words can't describe, like, it's like, I've lost my father twice without him, like with him still being here. And I started telling my friends and my community about my, my story, my story of my father with addiction and forgiveness and acceptance and resilience and just where we came to. And it was helping people. People were hearing our story and feeling inspired to go to therapy or fix things with a parent. And I was just getting this feedback. And I felt like every time I tell my story, it helps me heal. My dad, you know, he's open to sharing his story. We've had some very beautiful experiences sharing our story. And I said, you know what, dad, why don't we gather stories of resilience and put them in a book and we can bookend it with my story and your story. And it can be a way to help inspire others. And he was into it because he's an extrovert, just like me. He likes to tell stories. So as the, you know, the marketer in me is like, well, how am I going to do this? I'm like, I guess I need a website. So I built a website. I guess I need social media. So I built social media and um, this started in about March, 2019. And we've been collecting stories ever since. Um, and so the I Am Resilient project, the website's IamResilient.info is a place where people can come and read and share stories of resilience to help them move through life's most difficult challenges. And anyone can submit their stories. Every story gets published on the website and social media. And we are just putting together um, the manuscript for our first book. And we're going to publish a coffee table book with obviously there's some stories that are going in there that aren't on the website yet. And not every story that are, is featured on the website will go in the first book. Yeah. And, um, you know, my goal is to get this book out in the next couple months. My dad is in palliative care at home, so he's still around. I'd love to get it out while he's still here with us. Um, it's been quite the journey while, you know, working on this book for two years. But the, the community that we've built is bigger than a book. You know, it's people are healing, um, you know, when it was safe to do so, we were doing live events and fundraising for mental, um, mental health services and counseling services and giving a platform for people to share their stories in person. And over the first um, shelter in place, like the first time the quarantine really kept us all at home, we started a video interview series and that inspired the podcast we're working on. So we're going to be launching a podcast. Just we want to help people heal and it's fully just a way to give back. And so the I'm Resilient Project is a very special uh, piece of me. Um, I think, uh, thank you very much, Blair, for sharing this journey of yours. And it's, uh, it's very empowering and inspiring. And I know I can relate to some the challenges of, um, you know, with 
the the father portion of it um, for for me for my circumstances you know my, my dad has passed away and um, um, you you hit a point where you talked about you know it's like losing your dad two times kind of thing so I I can actually also relate to that because it, it felt like um, you know in the I think it was back in 2004 um, I was supposed to go back to Asia Taiwan to visit my father but unfortunately um, and you know I had the tickets booked and everything um, and essentially he passed away two weeks prior to that um, due to uh, an accident. Um, I'm, I'm not going to go into so much details regarding that, but uh, I had two layers of shock. Um, it was, you know, first it was like finding out that your dad was encountering such a situation and then arriving to find out that he, in between the time of travel, um, he actually passed away kind of thing. So that was, um, that was my um, perception of uh, how my dad kind of, passed away two times, right? So that's challenging. And um, and I, I think you're, you know, you made a very important point that um, through telling stories, it is very, very important and very, very significant because um, that healing community that you mentioned, it's, it's um, it, it creates a lasting impact, right? Which I, I believe, you know, your book, I Am Resilient, that's a super amazing project, you know, because it doesn't just stop there in one project or one story, two stories, three stories. Um, it continues on and on. And I think in, in some perspectives, um, I can draw correlations to that with her stories untold, although it is much more uh, um, on the aspect of a woman and their experiences and their journeys and telling stories that have not been told um, and continuously sharing that journey. Um, I feel like it, it it's important because it continues, you know, it's not a story that ends again when the book ends or when the book project ends, right? So thank you. Thank you very much for um, sharing that. And um, I wish, you know, peace and harmony to your dad. And I hope that your book project will get launched and com completed in the time frame that you want it exactly. And he's able to see that. So thank you. And thank you for sharing, you know, part of your story too. And you submitted a story for the book. Yes, I, I did submit a story for the book. Um, I also did uh, a short film too, it was called Infinite Eight um, uh, regarding um, my dad because I um, it was uh, kind of interesting because uh, it was very difficult actually. So he passed away in 2004 and he left me um, some voice messages. And at the time, because he passed away and you know dealing with grief and talking about grief, I, I feel like it's a lifelong process. It doesn't mean the person died. And then after six months, you're done and, you know, over with kind of thing. It doesn't work like that, especially with family members or even friends, you know, somebody that you're close to. Right. So um, the mo movie um, was created because I actually listened to those voice messages for the first time since 2004, because, you know, I'm, I'm not going to apologize. It took me that long to build the courage to be able to listen to them. And that's what I did um, in, uh, I think, before the pandemic, um, I was able to complete that, that short film project. And interestingly, um, um, and very gratefully, it was uh, selected and shown at the Vancouver International South Asian Film Festival recently in December. So I'm very appreciative of that. And it's also been in some other film festivals as well, which, is, uh, which was like a, a very nice surprise, you know, because sometimes you're just doing things kind of like your projects too as well and your talks and seminars and podcasts you're just doing things because you're passionate about it most importantly because something has happened to you and because you want to share a message that you know and that message 
um, is able to create layers of impact, possibly uh, where people can draw perhaps resemblance to their situations or um, find ways to empower themselves or inspire themselves. So I think um, I think that's how it is. And when you kind of throw that energy out there, I think for people with a similar thought in mind, they come together in that space. So that's great. No, definitely. I, I want to check your film out. You should send me the how I can watch it. <laughs> I'd oh. love to see it. Um, so I, I'll, I'll just tell you right now, it, it, I can't share it at yet unless it gets played again at film festival. So how that process works is that um, while it's in the review or submission process with film festivals, it cannot be uh, globally launched quite yet. So the time that when it does come out is when it gets selected at the film festivals. And then you go, you know how like we have a Vancouver International Film Festival here, right? Yeah which I love to go. And then you buy your tickets for that specific time slot and then go watch it at the theaters, a thing, kind of a thing in the past. Yeah. (laughs) But now you just do it online in the comfort of your own home in your sweats and pajamas and you can look like whatever. (laughs) Or you can get super dressed up in your living room. But yeah, yeah, whatever, whenever I can watch it or whenever it's available somewhere, let me know. Cause I think that's really beautiful. And thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I will definitely show that news out to uh, to you for sure and, and to everyone else as well. That's interesting watching that. So thank you. Um, yeah, I, I wanted to talk about, you know, you mentioned that you published your book during the pandemic, which is quite amazing. And I also wanted to check in, you know, how are you doing with this COVID? I know we're kind of like 10 months into this pandemic, um, which uh, just long story short, it felt like this wasn't real. It's not happening. It can't happen, right? And then you're seeing these numbers and stats and, you know, all these scary news. And then you're kind of like, oh, don't worry, the weather was good. It was summertime. No, you can't, you can't happen. It's not really happening, right? And then to like, oh my God, it is happening. You know, like we got to do something about it. And then, you know, having, waiting for the vaccine, vaccine, and then, you know, different discussions about that and everybody having a different perception on it in each different country around the globe, right? So I'm just wondering what your thoughts are and how you're dealing with this COVID situation as a woman in Pemberton. So, yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of good things that have happened and there's been some pretty challenging things that have happened and COVID just made the hard stuff harder. So uh, I published a book, so I'm, you know, it's called Pulsing Through My Veins, Raw and Real Stories from an Entrepreneur. I started working on this after I started the I'm Resilient Project. And the reason I wrote that book was I have never written a book before. And I thought I should learn to write a book before the I'm Resilient Project. So I did a book writing um, workshop and I had a mentor help me and a business coach. And I I wrote a book so I could learn about the process. Um, And I didn't plan on putting it out during a pandemic. Obviously, Um, I started writing it before even this pandemic was on anyone's radar. But when I started writing the book, lots of stuff happened in my life, including like my My grandfather passed away and on the way home from the funeral, we got in a car accident and I ended up with a concussion. I had a big business trip to go on and I didn't really have time to heal. And so when I came back from that trip, I cleared my schedule. And just as I cleared my schedule, my husband, he's fine now, but he had a heart attack and quadruple bypass surgery. Yeah. Um, And that, that was really intense, like very intense, luckily still before the pandemic, thank God. And so, um, You know, that was a pretty long recovery and he's doing great now. Um, But when it was time for him to go back to work, that's when the pandemic happened. So 
our life was pretty much on hold while he was healing anyway. So when the pandemic happened, my life didn't change very much because we were already just like hanging out at home because we couldn't really go anywhere or do anything. Um, we had a bunch of stuff planned for when he was healed, like a trip to California and all these things. We just canceled them. Like the whole world was canceled really. And so I was just, you know what, because I had such hard times, I was like, 2019 was still at that time worse for me. Like I, my husband was alive and healthy. We had our health. We live somewhere where we can still go outdoors. You know, we, we can camp and hike and all that stuff. So I felt fine. My business, I work from home. I've been working, you know, anywhere there's a Wi-Fi connection. I can, I've been doing this for years. So it wasn't really that big of a shock business-wise. But, um, you know, some clients went on hold. Some, some clients wanted to do more. Like every business, every industry is different. Yeah. And that's fine. Um, and you know what? Up until October, November, like I was having a really good year. A really good year. And the, yeah, the pandemic was hard. I can't just fly home to Winnipeg whenever I want because my dad is sick. And, you know, my mom is there and my grandma's there and my friends and my aunts and my uncle, my family. Like I go to Winnipeg two or three times a year and my sister's in Toronto. And like, I've had now, I've had to cancel now two trips to see her once because Shane had a heart attack. The second time was because it was a pandemic. So there's lots of stuff that's really frustrating like that. But in the grand scheme of things, Shane's alive. I have my health. And, um, what we did learn though in the spring was that I was told by a fertility doctor that um, most likely I was going to need IVF if I wanted to get pregnant. And I, we've been trying to get pregnant for three years. And I was like, okay, I don't believe that. Maybe I'll like still get pregnant. I didn't get pregnant still for a couple months. And I was waiting, I had to go get some tests. And so I was waiting to make the appointment for my period to come. And my period just never came. And I was like, well, that's weird. <laughs> Cause like I, my husband and I weren't trying anymore because we had to go get tests. Yeah. And we just, you know, like trying is exhausting. That's a lot of fun, but it's exhausting and it takes a big toll. And so my period didn't come and I was pregnant. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like I told I couldn't get pregnant. My husband almost died. Like all these bad things happened, but I was like, I'm pregnant. Unfortunately, um, my father-in-law who we were, were really close with, who lives in a different town. He lives in Kamloops. Uh, he wasn't feeling well. And on November 3rd, uh, I learned, we learned that he had cancer. And about an hour after learning that news, I had a miscarriage. It was a really, really hard day. And from three weeks from that day, he passed away. And because of COVID, like I, because of COVID, the miscarriage was very lonely. Like I was, I, I couldn't be with people. My husband was with his father. So I was alone. Um, he, my husband couldn't see his dad when he went into the hospital. His dad was there for three weeks. Shane couldn't see him. I, I didn't even bought, like, I couldn't see him, but Shane, like, you know, his son couldn't see him. And that's because of COVID. So I went from being okay with the pandemic because it allowed me to pause and that I was counting how grateful I am. And I still am grateful for lots of things to November, literally punching me in the face. <laughs> like November was a terrible month. The miscarriage, the loss of Dave, like it was, it's, it was, it was really hard. It's still really hard. And, you know, a few months later, like my body physically, like, you know, I feel healthier, you know, we're going to, try again uh, or not try, but try, you know, like try and get to that mindset of not trying, <laughs> but 
there's that whole layer of, I was supposed to get tests and they're really hard to get pandemic. Like, you know, we want to spend more time with family, but we can't really because of the pandemic, like Christmas, Christmas was, is a big deal in Shane's family, like our family. And like, it, it, we just, everything is different because it's a pandemic. And obviously with like multiple losses in such a short period of time. So my experience as a woman or even as a human was like, I'm pretty good at being in the moment and being grateful. And, you know, I feel hard stuff when things are sad. I feel sad. You know, I've been strengthening my resilience muscle for years, but, you know, like learning, I was not able to have kids. We didn't know if IVF was an option. So I was wrapping my head around a life without children. So having kids wasn't even on my radar, even though I was still going to go for tests, just so I learned what was, what, what was the issue. So I came to a place in my mind where I was okay, like getting okay with the concept of never being a mom, which is what I've wanted since I was a little girl to being pregnant, having those feelings like elated. Like I can't even explain to you the happiness taken away from me again when the miscarriage, but also layered on top of my father-in-law who is, he is like, my dad is his own person and Dave is his own person, but they're very different. So Dave is like the dad who, like we were talking about going on a kayaking trip together and he and I would always go on hikes and he was like an adventure buddy. And it was a male role model that I wasn't used to having around. And I was, I was close with him. And so went from like, Oh my God, I'm going to be a mom. This is so exciting to the miscarriage and then losing Dave that I just, I don't think there are words to describe like how terrible it felt and how COVID definitely made it all much worse. I think, um, yeah, I think I just, uh, I'm kind of at loss for words because of all the things and events that happened and, and I'm very sorry to hear about, you know, everything happening ever at all and, and let alone, you know, all at once pretty much, right? And how you were able to have um, such resiliency and being so strong to kind of just plod along and continue to walk that path of the journey, right? And on top of that, with the uh, pandemic that's also happening, right? Um, I, you know, I, I wanted to ask you because you mentioned that you try hard and try your best to stay in the moment, right? To find ways to be grateful, right? And I think that's very relevant to um, being resilient and, you know, in, in the whole situation. And certainly I don't think dealing or coping with death and losses is something that um, we're born with a skill set okay and there is tons of book out there that talks about grief and how you can deal about it whatever videos documentaries you name it lessons but i feel like death and loss is not something anyone any human being let alone being a woman right to that it can actually relate to or experience unless you have somebody that you really care about and they pass away just like that and then it's an immediate loss in in, in that perspective right so um how do you how do you go on and what do you do to find ways to accept, you know, could, could you share some insight towards that? Like, how do you find that courage and strength, right? Because, you know, and I, I think it's, you know, you mentioned November 3rd was a very challenging day, right? And how did you pick yourself up? Because I, I don't know if I, I could be as strong in that precise well, and everybody's different. 
I don't know if I have picked myself up. Like what, what are your options? Like you have to keep going, but you know what? Like I can be watching a TV show. Like even just today, I was watching a show, um, Bling Empire. It just came out on Netflix. What's it called? Sorry. It's called Bling Empire. And it's just about, a. it's like, um, it's a reality show about really wealthy Asians. Okay. Anyways, I love reality TV. (laughs) It's great escapism. Like I love, I love like Below Deck and Real Housewives of Salt Lake City and Vanderpump Rules. Like I like reality TV. So I always check out new shows because to me, I use my brain so much for my job during the week that like reality shows on like my Saturday is like a great way to zone out and fold laundry. Yeah. But even this morning, like one lady on the show was talking about her fertility challenges and another lady was pregnant and gave birth. And it, you know, it, it makes me feel sad. And, you know, like, so right when the miscarriage happened, I felt, I felt dead inside. Like I, I I literally had death inside me. Like, you know, I just didn't think something so terrible can happen to me after so many other terrible things have happened. I thought this was my chance. So for me, it wasn't just like grieving this baby, this soul that I, you know, never got a chance to meet, but it was grieving an idea that I already grieved. It was grieving, like, maybe I'll never get pregnant again. You know, I was told I couldn't get pregnant. I got pregnant. So, but I, you know, put to bed, like the idea of being a mom and then I resurrected it. And then I had to put it, put it to bed again. But then we didn't understand how serious my father-in-law's cancer was. He was supposed to be going to radiation and he passed away the night before his first radiation treatment. Like we, we were not expecting that. So it was like, there was so much trauma and hard stuff at the same time that I was so numb. Like there was a lot of crying and I was by myself because it's the pandemic. And my husband was with our family in Kamloops while I'm in Pemberton. I just cried a lot. And I really believe that if you have to cry, like cry, like your, your body sweats when you're hot to regulate your body temperature. That's what crying is. It regulates your feelings. You know, I just was kind to myself when I needed to sleep. I slept, you know, I, my friends, I felt, I felt very supported and loved, but I don't know if I'm ever going to like get through it in the sense of like, I'm always going to carry that with me. Like you don't. And the thing is I'm an entrepreneur. I had a lot of obligations in November. Like it was my busiest month for my business. And I dropped the ball. I dropped the ball on some stuff. And so I, you know, Googled, (laughs) how to have a miscarriage and run a business. Like, I, I didn't know what to do. I don't know who to ask because no one talks about miscarriage. I wasn't going to be like, okay, these are the women I know because miscarriage are like, what, one in four women, 24, 20, 25% of women who get pregnant have miscarriages. I'm not really sure. Don't quote me on those stats. It's something like that. Yeah. But I didn't know what to do. It was like, I've never heard, I didn't know. Like, I, I know throughout like times every so often someone's like, I had a miscarriage or I knew, but we didn't talk about it. So nothing on Google told me what to do. So I was like, okay, I'm going to start writing down what I do. And so what I did was I humbly went to all my clients and I was like, okay, listen, this is what just happened. Um, I'm going to need an extension. And my clients were all fabulous about it. A couple of weeks later, hey, this is my father-in-law just died. I'm sorry. I'm going to need a little bit more time. And I think I was very honest and I didn't pretend to be okay. And because I didn't pretend to be okay, I was able to function in a sense, you know, I wasn't just holding it in and like, you know, if I had to go to the grocery store, yeah, it's nighttime, I'm crying. I'll put my sunglasses on and go pick up my eggs. (laughs) Like, I think part of it is being a real human. Um, You know, I had some friends call me. They're like, we just, how are you, how are you, what are you, like, how are you coping? It's like, 
what are my choices? Like, do I just face plant into a pile of dirt and lie there until my feelings go away? Like, I don't drink alcohol. I don't numb the pain. You know, I manage my C I manage my um, anxiety and I manage my depression with, you know, medication, which I have both of those previous. Um, but you just have to take things moment by moment. And you might be, I might be fine and not cry for a week. And then I see a commercial with a dad holding a baby and I cry. That's just that. And I know that like, I know going through a dark, dark time is hard, but because I've had a few big challenges in my life, I always know that I'm going to be okay eventually. And that, that hope holding on to that, knowing that eventually I will feel okay again, gets me through it. Well, thank you. Thank you, Blair, for sharing that. I know it, it, it's, it, you know, it, I know it's difficult, but um, I, I wanted to ask you that a little bit more because I feel like um, the strength that you have in you and the resiliency, I, I talk of this again, is, um, uh, I don't know, I find it very admirable. <laughs> and I don't know if I could be as strong as you if I had to experience the same, same circumstances. Um, and I know every human being is different, um, but uh, we go through uh, similar situations, circumstances, death, losses, in different ways at different times, you know? And um, so I, I really appreciate you, you know, having this honest conversation and sharing that information. Um, you know, I think, what I'm overall hearing is that, you know, um, just immediately right in front of us, we find small ways to deal with it. You mentioned, you know, escaping with reality shows, right? Kind of thing. So, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And well, I don't drink. So it's like, okay, reality shows. <laughs> reality show, right? Because that's like watching someone else's life, right? Yeah. And yeah. It, it, it gives you, um, gives your mind, it's like watching films too, it gives your mind a break because you're not in this setting anymore. You're suddenly yeah. like, engaged in somebody else's life and that takes you away from you know whatever sufferings or feelings that you're currently going through right and um i i felt like you know when you know you're you're so courageous the fact that you said when you speak of your miscarriage you said you were grieving an idea that you had already grieved right and you still continue with the strengths to struggle forth um i have a I, I do have a story to share of someone that i know indirectly it was um through colleagues like years ago but um i remember there was um i just joined this this group basically and just started and there was this girl and she was just full positivity super happy she was pregnant and um, the second week i was there um they threw her a, a baby shower and um we were all excited i i got excited too just because i don't know it, it doesn't have to it's be your fun it's fun and it was like very joyful. So, you know, and then, and we got her gifts and then we sent her off well wishes. And uh, later on, uh, about two months later, we learned that while she was waiting at home for the delivery, um, she learned that actually her baby has been dead for some time. And she was about to deliver the baby too, right? So they miss. I guess the the low heartbeats or something like like it was slow like they missed out on that and then so um, she had to take a leave of absence for like I think two three years because she couldn't recover and she's um, you know going through a lot um, I have to say and I'm not saying that I know exactly how she felt but everybody felt we, we grieve together too right even though you don't know the person very well or you know know them directly but there are certainly people that knew her directly but everybody was grooving through the process um i'm 
and you know, th after some time, she did recover and I think rejoin back to the group of, for work and whatnot kind of thing. But um, she must have been going through a lot, right? And you mentioned that you know it's important to have that love and support from a community, um, even during pandemic times. Though we cannot hug or see each other in person, um, you know, as we did pre-pandemic, you know, you're doing it on Zoom and whatnot kind of thing, right? So, um, I think. I think you hit a really strong point too about saying that it's okay to just be genuine, authentic to yourself and tell the truth. Like how you told your clients what you know things have happened and what you were going through, right? I think as human beings, um, we're actually more um, forgiving and more compassionate than we appear to be, right? Because we all have this, I like to call it a mask, right? We got to put on a mask, you know, get set up for the camera, set up the lighting, for example, doing that, right? Even if you had to go into work, you have to brush your hair, get dressed, eat breakfast, put the right outfit on to go see people, right? So I feel like, you know, be, behind it, you know, you know what sometimes we, we might forget in this modern day of us, and certainly you're that modern wonder woman that I, I look up to. Aww. <laughs> um, I, I feel like you know it's thank you for telling us and showing vulnerability right because we're always told we hear books and talks right people and even growing up people are always telling us not to uh, show your weaknesses you know don't really be vulnerable right because people are gonna look at you differently right so I, I think at the end of the day like what you have said and shared so far I feel like we are our own role model yeah and I don't think you need to be scared to be honest, you know, like why put on a front? Like, how is that helping anyone? How's that helping you? Yeah. It's not just going to go away. You have to process. Yeah. Right. And you know, something I didn't include, if you might, if, if I, if you don't mind, Ooh, but, awesome. um, another thing that I've really been doing yes. so years ago before, like things went to hell in a handbasket in my life. Um, I went to a retreat and part of the retreat was some reading and videos and stuff ahead of time. And I watched this video, a Ted talk from Sean Acor. And it was what I learned from him was that if you practice gratitude every day, so you list at least three things you're grateful for every day for at least 21 days, the neural pathways in your brain start to get rewired. And then you see the world more positively. I saw this and I was like, that seems easy. So I set my phone alarm at 9 p.m. It's the gratitude alarm. And it's been going off every day at nine o'clock since. And so I stop with whoever I'm with, whether it's my husband or old school dinner parties when those used to exist or with family, we list what we're grateful for. So the alarm goes off no matter what we're doing. We all go around the room and share three things from the past 24 hours we're grateful for. And when Shane was in the hospital recovering from his open heart surgery, um, you know, we did that along with his roommate, Gord. You know, we, we did it. I do it, do it during dark times. I do it with, you know, happy times. If I'm alone, like while Shane was with his family, we would text each other at nine o'clock what we were grateful for. And that's really helped me too, because if my day is absolutely terrible, like the day of the miscarriage, I still do it. I still do it. I still look for three things in that day that I'm grateful for. And, right. Yeah. Cause there's always something. It could be hot coffee. You're grateful for Advil. I'm grateful for free healthcare. I mean, in Canada, that's what we have. Right. Like it could be anything. Like sometimes I'm having a terrible day and the alarm goes off and I don't do it. My husband across the house will yell, I'm grateful for cats and hockey and boobies or like my wife. And then I'll do it. Right. Like if I'm in a bad mood, he'll take the initiative and go first. And I just think it's a, it, it's, I owe a lot of my resilience to that practice. 
I think that's a very wonderful practice. I've actually heard of it too many years ago. I think it's it's one thing to hear and then um, and then to actually start on it, right? Um, what was the name of the person? TED Talks for? Oh, um, Sean Acor. Sean Acor. Perhaps you can share with us and then we can share with the- Yeah, the for sure. Great, yeah. um, I, I think part of the challenge is that you hear a lot of information, but it's hard to do it yourself and practice yourself. And then when you do start it, the, another challenge comes in because we have all these like noise all around us and you know news and you know pandemic and whatnot kind of thing situation interruptions coming in that you don't consistently practice it daily right so it's amazing that you have your alarm set up at 9 p.m you said right <laughs> so and and that's very inspiring and uh, we should all be doing that but i and and, and i was going to ask you and which you already answered which is great because you know like gratitude like you know, the thought comes to is like, oh, it has to be a big thing, a great thing, you know, like to to be grateful for like, oh, and then you're thinking like, oh, but I don't really have anything, right? But you're right. It's simple things like that. And, you know, even just watering a plant or something. Like and often, like often I say Advil, like I have, <laughs> I have back problems. Yeah. And often it's like, I'm grateful for hot coffee and Advil or working from home. Like it doesn't, sometimes yeah. it can be like, oh, I'm grateful I launched my podcast. Yeah. Um, you know, or I'm grateful for blah, blah. Like it can be big. Yeah. But it can be something super small. Like Shane is very grateful for hockey being back on. He is, he's said that every night the past couple of days. And you know, like it doesn't have to, it, you get to choose. It's your life. Like, what are you thankful for? What are you grateful for? Right. And it, you could start off the day doing it. And I challenge you watching this, like open your phone alarm, pick a time that works. I like nine because it's the end of my day. So if my day starts off, okay. And it goes bad. I can actually wrap my day off with a positive note, but some people like to do it first thing in the morning or dinner with their family, pick a time, set an alarm and have it go off every day. Like my alarm goes off well, movie theaters aren't a thing really right now, but like it, it's gone off in movie theaters. Yeah. It's gone off at dinner parties. Like it goes off. Like yeah. it's a non-negotiable. It goes off. <laughs> I, so, you know, I think it's like about commitment, right? Yeah. Which I kind of want to talk about because I feel like in this given world, even pre-pandemic and during pandemic, right? Like I find um, certainly there's a difference, but what is consistent is that commitment seems to be very challenging for people, like finding time to commit and then over committing, but not delivering. Kind of thing. So I, I think, um, you know, similarly, the um, having that set up to integrate into your daily practice is all about commitment. And I think even something as simple as finding three things to be grateful for every day, um, you have to identify something for yourself to commit to the practice, right? And you know, it, it's not saying like, oh, like how whatever, but I'm just saying like, you have to make it stick, you know, it can just be like a one-off thing, right? Because um, I think um, sometime back when I was making a post about, you know, happy new year kind of thing, reading this new year, um, I always talk about like, um, people always talk about new year resolutions. Um, but for me, like over the years, I, I got caught up too in that because that's everybody else's narrative. Okay, that's everybody else's narrative. It is also the media's narrative, right? So then you're like, oh, I gotta, I gotta exercise more. I gotta eat better and do all these things. But, and then it kind of fades away by spring, right? And then pretty much disappears, right? And then you're like written with guilt and near the end of the year kind of thing. And then you kind of reset, right? Kind of thing. So I really think about, um, I think it's about daily practice and just engraving that discipline. Yeah. You know, even with like self-care. So I have a desk job. 
Yeah. Yeah. Tell us about that because we're all working from home. Yeah. So my calendar is color coded. Okay. <laughs> and like I block out time that I don't take meetings so I can actually get work done. But I also have a color yellow. I don't know why I just yellow it's self-care. So I were, I try and work out every morning before I sit at my desk, but midday I schedule in a walk, like an hour where I leave my house, no matter what the weather is and go for a walk. But for some reason, if I had a bad sleep, sleep is so important. Maybe I'll have a nap. Like I have midday naps often because if it's yeah. going to make me more productive, why wouldn't I have a nap? Like, yeah. so I, I, my days are very scheduled. And so I block in those times that I need self-care. I block in my yoga, my hikes, my working out, whether it's 6am workout, noon hike, and then maybe acupuncture. Like I schedule that stuff in. And so I can look at my calendar and know, okay, if I get these three tasks done, I have my hike coming up in an hour and I just am more efficient, but I also hold myself accountable. Like I can't just sit in front of a computer for 15 hours because we're at home and like, what else are we doing? I mean, there's, I mean, I'd rather have little kids and be like too busy to work. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like I'd rather, but right now it's, I can sit and watch like five hours of TV, which is only for Saturdays <laughs> or <laughs> open my laptop and work and make some money or make an impact. And so I'm a workaholic. Like I'm not even gonna, like, I love what I do when I'm inspired. Like I'm inspired. Like this week, my friend Teresa and I launched a podcast called Dissecting Success. Yeah. Um, we hit number 16. Like we're a top 16 podcast in Apple right now, yeah. under management, which is super exciting. Congratulations. Um, yeah. Thank you. So, but like, cause I'm launching that and I'm putting out a new website. It's been a busy week because I'm working on a lot of stuff for myself and my clients. Um, but I've also, like you were just saying, like people over committing and like not delivering and, you know, zoom fatigue is real pandemic fatigue is real. And I think we are just so used to pleasing people. I've, I actually, um, had some realizations and I let go of some clients that they were paying well, but they weren't the per a perfect fit for me. They weren't the right clients for me. And I decided these are the type of clients I want to work with. These are the type of things I want to put on my plate. This is how I want to spend my time. And I'm very clear about that intention and I'm making sure that whatever I, whatever projects I'm aligning myself with are things that I want to say yes for, like, like from my heart, not from my wallet. And if, you know, I set those intentions and I put that out there and this is what I'm looking for when I'm networking and whatnot, or the universe delivers the right things and projects and people to me. And so I think if you're doing things that you're not into, get rid of them. You don't need to say yes to everything. You know, I, I've, there's been a couple of meetings that were supposed to be Zoom meetings, but I wanted to get outside because I needed a break. I said, hey, can we just chat on the phone? I'd like to go for a walk. You know, you don't have to be tethered to your computer. Like I also do a lot of social media. So sometimes I go lie on my couch or when the weather is nice, I go lie outside on the patio and I, you know, lie horizontal and like look up my phone and do my phone work. And guess what? If there are things that you have to do in your business or in life and you don't want to do, Hire someone else to do them. Like, you know, I hate scrubbing my toilet. I have scissors. It doesn't make me a hairdresser. Like there's people you can hire and there are resources out there like Fiverr or Upwork where you can outsource. How is Fiverr? I love it. I just designed a new mug. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, from Fiverr. I spent $5 on the graphic. I'm trying to get a little bit of a, a tweak, but I can't get a hold of them. But you sure have. Uh, 
<laughs> yeah, like I had an idea and I was like, okay. And I tried to do it myself in Canva, but I'm not a graphic designer. And I was like, I'm just going to hire someone who has a design eye. I was yeah. like, if I can get it for $5 in Canva, like that's cheaper than a latte. And yeah. I did. And the mug I'm making, it's, I don't have it here because it's not made yet. But my husband and I, you know, love languages, like there's a book called the five love languages or something. So yeah. I've never really read it, but me and him were talking and I was just saying, cause he's in a different generation. Like he's in his mid forties. He didn't grow up with social media and I'm a, I'm a geriatric millennial. And I, anyways, we're talking <laughs> and I was like, why don't you ever like my stuff on Instagram or like comment or post about me on yours? And I, cause that's just not his thing. He likes to look at cars and skiing and surfing. And so anyways, I was like, I just came out, blurted out of my mouth, like social media is my love language. And I was like, Oh, that's kind of smart. And I went and Googled it. No one's really using it. And I was like, I'm going to make some mugs. So I'm making some mugs that say social media is my love language and has my logo on them. <laughs> that's awesome. It's just like how my brain works. It's like, Oh, that's kind of catchy. I was like, oh, I'm going to start using that. <laughs> you know, that, that's amazing because uh, just working from home, we seem to be more busier than ever, right? Because yeah. of all the things. And I think you just share some excellent, excellent um, habits and which I think every one of us could probably model some of it. <laughs> Ooh, I have another one. Oh, please do here, yeah. Okay, so it's very easy, like yeah. separate your workspace from your home space. And like some of you might live in a studio apartment and you can't do that. Yeah. Figure out how to do it. Like maybe you have like, at the end of your work day, you literally put everything away into a closet. I make a rule that like, if I have more work to do, like, oh shoot, after dinner, I need to finish this blog post. My yeah. rule is I'm allowed to put my pajamas on. So I get dressed every day. I get dressed. Even if I'm changing out of one pair of pajamas into sweatpants, I get dressed. I change what I, I never work in what I slept in Wardrobe. weekends. I can do whatever I want. If I have to work weekends, like as in, if I'm trying to catch up or get ahead, yeah. if I want to lie in bed and watch Netflix while I work, I do. So my, my rules are like my, my hours, my office hours, like I, I treat it as if I'm going to the office. Like I'm lucky because I have a, a bedroom as a, a third bedroom in our house, which is an office, but regardless, just like, make sure you have that, that transition. So you're changing in what you sleep into what you're wearing. And then your work day's done, put your pajamas on. If you still have to work, then maybe switch and change from your table to the couch or change up what you're doing to allow yourself that like division of like, not like your work bleeding into your personal life. Yeah because it's really hard. Like sometimes you have to keep working and like your partner or your roommate or your family is at home and you want to, you don't want to, you don't want to blur those lines. Cause you want to be able to enjoy being home and not resent it. Yes. Yes. Um, and, and that's a really good point because I think there's a lot of challenges for couples, families, um, kids. Um, and then certainly there's the other realm where they're just by themselves in, in isolation and, and they're super, um, going through, you know, being very lonely and, and whatnot kind of thing. Right. But um, I think, yeah, I think you're very, that's very true because like you have to separate what I always tell people, you got to separate the day from the night. Okay. First thing from that for, for me is, you know, having a shower, for example, at nighttime, right? Because that sets the tone and separates all mm -hmm. the crime and dirt from, you know, they, whether it's just pretty much a home these days, you know? Yeah. But it's like that transition. Yeah. And then change into your PJs. Right. And yeah. I, I love the idea that you wake up and then you change outfit because that's, that's what I do. And I didn't think too much about it, but the way you put it into perspective, I think that's great because it's like, Oh, I'm getting up now. I'm going to go to work. Right. Yeah. And having the division, you know, 
separation between your workspace area, regardless of how much space you have, you know, or, you know, the pile of work that you have right there and then putting it away or going to a, another space if you, you have that you know to separate the the distinction of space right i think that's really important because your mind i think part of the challenge is that when people start working at home fully is that you just i'm just always at home right how do you go in and out right kind of thing so you have to be disciplined and set up some parameters and structures uh into that um, I, I like the fact that you color coded your, your calendar um, oh i love it yeah it just like i like to look at it and be like oh there's lots of yellow and purple those are the like light purple fuchsia those are the things i like so a uh, fuchsia purple if i read this correctly in the past i think it's like positive energy it was, and there was no intention behind it it was just giving giving different things colors yeah. <laughs> that's, that's great um for me um i'm i'm kind of old school i i love planners agendas so every single year i will get a new planner agenda and that's something i allow myself to like splurge into because i love it i use it daily i write it and um so i i can look back and be like oh five years ago on this date um oh this is what i was doing right yeah interesting yeah. And some things you never want to look at again, I'm pretty sure. But yeah, but I think I, I felt like that was really, really um, a good way to go about for, for me when I each day when I start and sometimes I forget and, you know, I'm, I guess I'm only human. <laughs> I'm going to be truthful about that. But I love it when I start the day with a checklist of the things I can do. Mm -hmm. um, in the past, I've set up, I find myself set, setting myself up to fail because I overload those checklists. And then at the end of the day, I've got one thing checked and everything XXX, like I didn't do them. And yeah. I'm feeling really shitty about myself, really horrible. I feel small, inferior to my own checklist, right? So, so then I've learned to balance that better, to have real expectations, real goals, and then just check it off, right? And then yeah. at the end of the day, I come back and, and you know, even if it's just two things checked off, I'm, I feel great because I got them done. And likely um, I did some extra, you know, check off items uh, that wasn't there and I can put it in right um and on a side note I, I I've been uh, I was reading about have you heard of the Pomodoro technique no what's that oh okay I, I love it I love it okay so there there is like a, a book about it I didn't read the book but I read tips in here and there's actually a planner that they sell at chapters indigo but you don't have to go buy it because it's like 30 dollars right it's something that simple that you can incorporate every day. And I, I find it very effective. So I pushed myself to try that for six months straight. So essentially you plan out for the whole entire week. Okay. You have a page section for that. And then, then you plan out daily. Okay. So before you start the day and then on each task, I, I, it can get a little bit complex, but you can simplify how you want to see fit later. But essentially you, you list out your task um, based on ranking of importance, like giving a score, like, you know, like, you know, going to the dentist, level five ranking, that's really important, right? You know, and you're going to dedicate 25 minutes, an hour to it, right, kind of thing. So for, for the Pomodoro technique, the specific thing is that you have to allocate 25 minutes to each task, which in reality is actually 30 minutes, because five minutes to transition out, you know, or get started with the task kind of thing. But, um, the, the idea is that once you start the task for 25 minutes, you're going to naturally get on this wheel and keep kind of rolling and rolling, right? And set the tires in motion, so to speak, right? And then so you'll get that done, right? And then with that, when you continue to practice daily, you're going to become 
way, 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 way more efficient and get things done according. And I think that's something that's very easy to incorporate right now, especially for everybody that's working from home or just, you know, at home kind of thing, even small tasks like folding the laundry, washing the dishes, um, that type of thing, like uh, yeah. washing the dishes, uh, not my favorite thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then yeah yeah so that's that's a whole no, another realm of topic yeah but that's quite interesting yeah so yeah I'm just sharing that's cool I like that I'm gonna look into it but yeah I love lists too lists help me I like I have like lists for each day and yeah. then I have a post-it note with the top items I have to get done yeah I go through a couple of post-it notes a day as I go through the list yeah, yeah. I'm a list I like lists <laughs> I love lists actually it's great just have to be realistic about it so yeah. and I, I kind of just um, want to wrap up our, our talk today and just really thank you for your time, Blair. And um, you mentioned something earlier, which I, I also strongly believe, like the universe always delivers to you stuff, you know, things, events. Um, sometimes they're not the best, um, but I think, you know, maybe later after some time has passed there, they deliver lessons to you or gifts to you that are blessing in disguise, right? Like certainly I can't say that, you know, I, I was grateful that I lost my dad, but there was a lot of things that I learned and built some strengths from that situation and then becoming more empathetic or compassionate in some ways that perhaps one could not realize prior to that. And that's not to say everyone should experience that. But the fact of the matter is that in life as a human being in this universe, like we're we're going to experience life and death, right? And that's yeah. normal. And there's going to be losses. There's going to be lots of gains too, right? Lots of positivity, but it's like to know love is to know hate, right? <laughs> to know what is positive is also to distinguish what is negative. And then that's the same as separating the day from the night kind of a thing, right? So I'm going to wrap up today with um, one thing, um, my, my gratitude checklist. And I and very importantly, I want to say I'm, I'm grateful to be able to have this time and space with you, Blair, um, to have these honest and conversations about your stories untold. And, um, and thank you for the courage, your resiliency, and your your empowerment your courage you know everything um to your positivity you know you're very positive and thank you guys i know we're zooming and we're having zoom fatigue most of the time but i can feel that through the screen okay some people may argue otherwise but i can feel that so thank you for being here well thank you so much for having me i really appreciate it i'm definitely grateful for you and this opportunity thank you and 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 i strongly believe like um like whatever your passions are, as long as you're in, you know, genuine about it, everybody, everything's going to come together. Yeah. Heck yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like that. Heck yeah. <laughs> I'm going to catch that and start saying that to people. Too, Just do it. Be like, yeah, heck yeah. Heck yeah. So um, thank you very much for your time, Blair. Please uh, stay safe and happy new year again. Happy it's new year. Second week, right? Is it? <laughs> Yeah, it's the second week. We're two weeks into the first new year. This year is still pretty brand new. <laughs> I love it. So far, so good. So far, so good, right? So, okay. So peace and harmony. Thank you. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to Her Stories Untold. I'm the founder and author of this global book project that focuses on the journey of different and diverse women from all walks of life, from all over the globe, with the purpose to empower and inspire women and men, wherever they are. 
If you enjoyed this, please share with your friends and family. Please also follow us on Facebook at Her Stories Untold, all one word, or on Instagram at her.stories.untold. Visit our website www.herstoryuntold.com. To watch our live recorded talks, visit our Facebook page and click on videos. Stay tuned for more special talks on unique subjects and candid conversations about women in all aspects of life. Thank you.